Being a Christian book is like having a conversation with a person that can't be with you in person. Maybe from thousands of years ago. But thousands of Christians have thought about God and written down those thoughts on paper, and it's a really wonderful thing to be able to learn from them and to be taught by them, even though you can't be with them in person. One of my heroes, J.I. Packer, died two years ago. I, I never got to take a class from him. I've listened to some lectures or whatever. But, but when I pick up knowing God, I can, I can be helped by his thoughts. Right? The amazing thoughts that he had as he helps people to understand the Lord of glory better. Okay, second, it's important for Christians to remember we don't stand alone in history. And, and this, for Americans, can, can be really big, right? Uh, Christianity did not begin with us. And guess what? Christianity, if the Lord tarries, will not end with us. Right, and so when the, while the Bible does not contain, does contain all truth that is necessary for salvation and for godliness, God has been at work among His people for two thousand years, teaching them and training them to read His book and understand it. And some of those wise people wrote down helpful thoughts. So there's a wealth of knowledge and wisdom in books from the past that we do well to read and consider. Third, we would be extremely prideful. To think that we can discover for ourselves all the truth from the scriptures that the church universal has been taught throughout history. You and your Bible are, nece- are necessary and sufficient, but not necessarily best. Not when there are other resources that can be brought to bear. To think that you can figure out the Bible on your own is is just a, you know, that's why God gives us the church and he gives us skilled teachers and he gives us one another and he, and he gives us books, right? That we might know this wonderful, at one sense simple, at one sense complicated, wonderful book that gives us life. And of course, even the greatest of the Christian authors are not inspired and authoritative like the Bible, but there's so much benefit to be able to read J.C. Ryle, John Calvin, St. Augustine, and learn what the Holy Spirit taught them over the course of their lives. Fourth, you have a limited amount of time. Maybe you decide that there's a topic that you and your buddy both want to study, maybe prayer, maybe the character of God, but you don't have enough time to pull together a comprehensive Bible study on the subject for you and your friend. So praise God, there's lots of good Christian authors who've done the work in advance, and it's a huge help for you to be able to take advantage of their good work. So reading a good Christian book together can facilitate your discussions about important aspects of the Christian life and faith and godliness. All right. Uh, So it also provides a framework, right? If you're wanting to get together, say CJ and I are starting to get together in order to encourage one another in Christ, right? Right? Uh, reading a book together provides a wonderful framework for us to be able to actually have, like, what are we going to talk about this week? Well, we're going to, we've read first, the first and second chapters of Knowing God. That gives us a framework for how to get our discussions so that when we get together, we're talking about things that matter eternally instead of just, so how about them Bengals? They lost. Right. So in order for you to be able to frame your conversations with friends, um, this, by the way, is a huge, great big, one big, huge plug for our on mission class, by the way. 
So, in On Mission, that's what we do. We read great books and we talk about them. And so if you've never done the On Mission class, we're taking a hiatus this year because uh, we're just, we decided to do the Strange New World study instead. But next year, it's probably going to be back on, online. Andrew, I'm still a little hot. Can you turn me down a bit? So you read Grudem's Bible Doctrine, and that covers just about all the basic and most essential categories of theology. And then we read other books that cover significant topics in evangelism and the spiritual disciplines. And our discussions are super now this year we, we took the break for Strange New World and we're basically saying, okay, Carl Truman is evaluating the currents of expressive individualism that are swirling around us. Exactly what Andrew said. You know, you know, how are, are the Bible's principles going to apply to our particular cultural moment? Now the reality is BJ and I would be, have been hard pressed to put all those ideas together. We don't have the background in philosophy. We don't have the background in the history of ideas. We've got Praise God, good general wisdom, but Truman has that background. So we're going through this excellent book from a thoughtful, godly man who does have that background, reading it together, and we're having great conversations. By the way, I don't think it would be too late for you to plug into that. The next one is on Monday night. All right, so that's why to use books in our relationships with one another. Uh, That may be something you've never done. It may be something you've just never done and never thought doing, and it just... I just want to at least seed you and sell you a little bit on that idea of considering it. All right, how to do it. How would you actually, let's say Brian and I are going to get together and and, and we want to read, how would we do it? How would we read together? Well, you'd probably read separately. I mean, you could read together. That, That certainly works. And by the way, husbands and wives, that's a really excellent way to do that. So Mike and Nikki, testimony time. How do you read together? Either the scriptures or other things. We actually um, do this together every night. We'll do uh, usually a devotional, um, and we'll spend the time in that. And uh, I'll read that to him, and then we're going through one of the Bible in a year, mm-hmm. and so then he'll read that. Too. Right? So that's specifically devotional reading, but you could also, uh, Elisa, what have you and I read together? Like, not as much as we always intend to, but what did we read to yeah, hard time remembering. It's, it's actually been a while. But for husbands and wives to, to read together is like a really awesome way to do this or with a roommate. Okay, here's what you do. Let's say you're reading separately. You read with a pencil in your hand. Here's my invisible pencil. No, here's my iPad pencil, which still can't write anything. But So you mark the book up. The book will not mind. Ignore your seventh grade librarian. The book will not mind being written up. In fact, it's the best way to remember certain passages of the book. And as you read, engage with the author. Argue with the author. Have a conversation with the author. And write your thoughts in the margins. And dog-ear the pages, you know, so that you can find it again. Right? It will help you understand the material better. Or if you don't want to bother your pristine book, you put a little, some of you ladies will put a little journal next to you, and maybe men too, right? Not just ladies. And, and, and then you don't have to mess up your book, but, but mark the book up. Do it with a pencil. That will also f- facilitate when you come together with your friend. You'll be more easily able to find a passage that you remember. Like, for instance, I'm going to read you in a little bit something from The Person of Christ by Don McLeod, and, and that, that particular page 
because it has been probably this page, other than the Bible, has been perhaps the most significant page in my Christian life, and I'm going to read it to you. But because it was all so fantastic, and then I put you know little marks in the margins that that knows so now I can find it, and I know that's on page 175. Right? So then when I get together with my buddy, then I can say, hey, let, this was kind of amazing. Right? Because I, I have my notes. Far too often people remember a passage and then fumble around for 10 minutes trying to find it in the book. So a simple check mark. This is just, this is just like, this isn't spiritual. This is just like practical. A simple check mark on the page of a book could make the difference between a well-placed point in your friend's life and a missed opportunity because you just couldn't find it. And you can't quite remember it well enough, right? So you want to be doing this so that you can have some good discussion when you get together. You want to read a book in two different ways, right? Just as we, just as we, uh, I won't go there. Uh, we re- want to read a book in two different ways. One, we want to read it for ourselves, right? We want to read it with us as the primary, and that's primary, right? See how the ideas affect you. Most of the time, the places in the book that affect you will also affect your friend, right? So you read it for yourself, but you also read it. Let's say you're in a relationship where you're, we talked, you know, how sometimes we're a little ahead of our brothers and sisters. Sometimes our brother or sister's a little ahead of us. If you're the one that's a little ahead in this relationship, then you want to be reading it with your, with how can I help my friend in mind, Right? If you are aware of things that they're struggling with in your life, in their lives, then if you find things that are particularly of value that you think would be very helpful for them, then mark that down. So read it with yourself in mind, but read it with your friend in mind. Um, ask good questions. So when you get together, you ask each other good questions. If you can help it, don't ask yes, no questions. Nothing kills a conversation more quickly <laughs> Then yes, no questions. Does this author think that Jesus is God? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he does. I know. <laughs> no, that just doesn't go anywhere. Doesn't go anywhere. Now you, you ask something like, why does it matter that the author thinks that Jesus is God? How is that helping? How is that directing his argument? Other good questions might be, how does this particular idea change the way we think about God? Or maybe, what faulty presuppositions does this idea work to shatter? How does this tear down lies? Right? Don't ask either, like, what did the author say? Right? It's not a seventh grade book report. Uh, Nor is it a test to check your comprehension. The task is is to be applying to be applying the truth in the book to the person's life, their thinking, their heart, your life, your thinking, your heart. Okay. At this point, we're going to do a little exercise. I want you to get a pencil if you can. I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you this this passage, which has been such an amazing. God's used in amazing ways in my life. Again, Don McLeod, Donald McLeod, the person of Christ. This is about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Here is a man pouring his... Oh, by the way, I want you to be thinking about a, a good question that might come from this section and what you might use as a good question to bridge with you and a friend. 
Here is a man pouring his whole strength, physical and spiritual, into a plea that God would save him. It is clear from all the accounts that Jesus' experience of turmoil and anguish was both real and profound. His sorrow was as great as man could bear. His fear, convulsive. His astonishment, well-nigh paralyzing. He came within a hair's breadth of breaking down. He faced the will of God as raw holiness in its most acute form. And it terrified him. Long ago at his baptism, he had publicly embraced the messianic role, identifying himself totally with his people. In the temptations in the desert, he had already faced some of the implications of his position, as the enemy quickly unleashed three massive assaults. But the full implications of being the servant and the ransom dawned on him only gradually as he reflected on the scriptures, observed sin at work, and communed with his father. In Gethsemane, the whole terrible truth strikes home. The hour of reckoning has come. Now is the last moment to escape. Beyond it, there can be no turning back. When Moses saw the glory of God on Mount Sinai, so terrifying was the sight that he trembled with fear. But that was God in covenant, God in grace. What Christ saw in Gethsemane was God with the sword raised, and the sight was unbearable. In a few short hours, he, the last Adam, would stand before that God, answering for the sin of the world. Indeed, identified with the sin of the world. He became, as Luther said, the greatest sinner that ever was. Consequently, to quote Luther again, no one ever feared death so much as this man. He feared it because for him it was no sleep, but the wages of sin. Death with the sting. Death unmodified and unmitigated. Death as involving all that sin deserved. He alone would face it without a covering, a propitiation, providing by his very dying the only covering for the world, but doing so as a holocaust, totally exposed to God's abhorrence of sin. And he would face death without God, deprived of the one solace and the one resource which had always been there. The wonder of the love of Christ for his people is not that he faced death without fear, but that for their sake he faced it terrified. Terrified by what he knew and terrified by what he did not know. He took damnation lovingly. like this book. Now, what would be something that you and a friend could talk about with respect to that passage? What might be a good question that you'd want to reflect on with them? Not a yes-no question, but let's practice. What's a good question that might come out of that? Hmm. 
How does this passage help us better understand Christ's suffering on our behalf? Excellent question. Open-ended. Yeah, Sonia. Um, what does this mean for you if you're struggling with fear? What does this mean for you if, if you're struggling with fear? How does this help us deal with the fears in our lives? Eric? Uh, just what benefits does Christ provide for us by doing this on our behalf? What benefits does Christ win for us by doing this on our behalf? The question I came up with is, was, why is this death different from all other deaths? Or, why is Paul looking forward to death, if you will, and, and faced death fearlessly, and Jesus faced death terrified? What's the difference? Right. Yeah, Chris. I, another question could be, how does that passage help us to better Great. How does this passage help us understand Jesus as fully man and fully God together? Great. That's great. I'm so glad that you guys came up with those good questions. Um, uh, By the way, you guys had the chance to think. You knew I was going to ask you this. Asking good questions is difficult. Preparing good questions is difficult. If you doubt it, just call BJ up and offer to write the home group study one week, and you'll find out how difficult it is to ask open-ended good questions. Um, but that's what the kind of want, what you want to do is you're looking to you're looking to just say, hey, did you like the book? Yeah, I like the book. Yeah, I like the book too. How about them Bengals? Right. So, all right, that's kind of how to how to read a book. Choosing a book, how to choose a book. There are essentially two kinds of books you can pick to read with someone you're seeking to help grow. There's doctrinal. Books and devotional books. Doctrinal books will deal most directly with Christian teaching. They will tend to be didactic and systematic, trying to teach truths of the Christian faith. This actually, amazingly, this is actually one of those books, but I found it one of the most helpful devotional books in my whole Christian life. So, you know, a good theologian is always working to get that into our, into worship, drive us to worship. But it is true, Grudem's systematic theology. I mean, who's read Grudem's Bible Doctrine? For on mission, right? quite a few of you. Yeah, are there not times when you were reading that where you were moved in your soul by the truths you were reading? I hope so. Right? He write, he's, he writes that well in that way. But again, of course, that is a that is a teaching book. Most books fall somewhere in the middle of the continuum. Devotional books will seek to take truth that we already know and apply it forcefully to our lives. You know. The, the, the Bibles, or, or most books are going to be a mix of those things in various mixtures. The book you choose for the person that you're seeking to help will depend largely on his or her needs and interests. So young Christians, for instance, will often benefit greatly from a book that seeks to teach them the deeper truths of the Christian faith. Older Christians may need to have truths they already know drawn into their everyday consciousness, or there may be a particular situation that they're dealing with that means a particular topic would be good to choose. Be wise just in choosing a book. For instance, don't just cater to your interests. Don't just cater to the other your, your buddy's interests. You need to, just as you need to eat meat, vegetables, fruit, and grains, you know, 
you need to do that with your reading too. I have a particular tendency to gravitate to this kind of reading, but it doesn't mean that I don't need to also feed off of this kind of reading. So just because this is what's easy for you doesn't necessarily mean that that's the only thing you should be trying to consume. Same with your friend. So let's just take a second. Maybe maybe you got a, a new Christian, a young Christian. They have a ravenous appetite and interest for apologetics. I want to know out how to go out and argue the, the truthfulness of the Christian faith. But maybe they'd actually just benefit more from learning about the character of God and thinking about the meaning of Christ's death or learning how to pray, right? So the fact that they might have an interest, of course you want to help them stoke their interest, but you also might say, hey, listen, you know, before we, before we get into evidence that demands a verdict or something, what if we did knowing God or something like that, right? So you're just trying to work together to, to pick a book that's going to be beneficial to you and to them. Um, they need to take account both our needs and our interests. Uh, I think this should be obvious. Be careful not to choose books based solely on the title. Um, most, many, many people fall into that trap. They see a title, it looks interesting, they read it, they find out it's written by a monk who denies the deity of Christ and the sufficiency of the scripture, right? Because they had a cool title or something. Now pick books by author rather than by title, generally. Find some authors that you trust, read their works, move outward from there. And BJ's put together a really strong collection of books, both on the literature rack and, did you know, there's a section of our website which actually has a whole bunch, uh, a recommended book list on various topics. You might not have even known that was there. Um, that you could use. Any of those are going to be good. You can close your eyes almost and grab one from the literature rack and it's going to edify you. Um, you. You want to also be getting, you know, how do you choose what to read? Ask your pastors. We're not the only ones, we're not the only sources of good books, of course, but it is one of our jobs, right? So if you are thinking of going after, if you want to study one particular idea, uh, and you say, and, and I love it, who, I can't, I'm not going to say their name, but, but someone just recently said, I want to study this book of the Bible. Oh, I know who it was. Uh, I want to study, I want to study Ezekiel. Uh, what do you think of this book? And she emailed, BJ and I, and, 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 and honestly, neither of us had interacted with that book, and BJ gave her some things that she might consider instead. Not because you can't read something that he hasn't read, but because he knew that this would be better, or he knew that this would be good. Right? So, you know, let us be a sounding board for you, so you don't spend your time reading things that are gonna, you know, kinda lead you astray. Um, again, doesn't mean that you can't read anything we haven't read, but, you know, we have read a bit. We do tend to know it's helpful. Any word on that? No. Okay. Um, things to read other than books. It is sometimes beneficial to read things beside books. For instance, you might want to read a confession of faith. Right? Have you ever gone through our confession of faith, the Baptist General Conf- uh, Confession uh, Confession of Faith? Uh, that's the grounding for our membership here. At Redeeming Grace, or you could go through the, the First London Confession, which is excellent. You could go through the Westminster Standards, the uh, oh, the, uh, what's the the Thirty Nine Articles of the Anglican Church? Those are really good. Um, you know, you could also read articles. Maybe you take an maybe you maybe you take an article that you've read that's been helpful from the Gospel Coalition or Tim Challey's website. If you're familiar with his blog, you know, most days he's actually putting out he's curating a list of good articles uh, that are out there in the Christian interwebs um, that are helpful and, um, and, 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 and often those are extremely thoughtful. 
All right, let's look at some particular books that I might recommend. Okay? So, here's, and who you might use them with, or who you might use them with. Again, this is not, this is not only Brad's ideas, but, okay, this barely counts as a book. Ultimate questions out there on the literature rack all the time. My favorite go-to to explain the gospel simply to a non-Christian or someone who might be a non-Christian um, and doesn't necessarily even know that. Um, this goes through very simply, but not like it's not like two pages. It's actually twenty some pages long. But it goes to the ultimate questions of the Christian life. I keep one of these whenever I travel. Honestly, I leave them with my tip on my hotel nightstand when I leave for the and let write a little note saying this is the most useful little book that I know to deal with these questions. Thank you for all that you did to make our stay helpful, right? Um, and it goes through, is anyone there? Is God speaking? What is God like? And, and all the way through, there's, there's scriptures that are in italic text that you can look at the back and see where the scriptures. Who am I? What went wrong? Is sin serious? Where do I go from here? Is, can religion help? Is there an answer? Why the cross? How can I be saved? Which way now? I love it. I love it. That's what I would do to, to, to work through the gospel with a non-Christian. Um, one I do not have. I could not find my copy. What is the Gospel by Greg Gilbert? It's a longer, it's a book-length treatise of the Gospel, but it's a primer on the Gospel and a good overview of what we often talk about when we describe God, man, Christ, response, Green Mountain Coffee Roasters. Thank you, Keith McClemens. God, man, Christ, response. Knowing God by J.I. Packer. The most important question in the universe, of course, is do I know God? Packer himself said, the conviction behind this book is that ignorance of God, ignorance both of his ways and the practice of communion with him, lies at the root of much of the church's weakness today. Ouch. Ignorance of God. That can be true of Christians as well as non-Christians. Do you want to better understand the most interesting, the most lovely, the most wonderful person who also, incidentally, is the person who made you and the one to whom you will give an account of your life, you could do worse than try that book. All right, what's next? What do I got next? Praying with Paul. This is one, then a lot of these are going to be from um, On Mission. Praying with Paul, a call to spiritual reformation. If you want to see the heart of Paul for people, how that shapes his prayers, this is fantastic. This would be a good book for any Christian. New Christian, seasoned Christian, uh, excellent. This would be the same, although I might. This might be a really good introduction for someone who's newer. But no one's going to find this. Uh, everyone's going to find this useful too. Everyone's going to find this useful. Um, church membership. I love this book. This is like my new favorite book. Right? Church membership. What does it mean for us to live our lives together as Christians? It explains Jesus' vision for the book. Look how short it is. And he's a really good writer, and he's really interesting to write. And it explains how this is often different from... Oh, sorry. It explains Jesus' vision for the church, and how... And it actually also explains how the American vision of what the church is like is actually often quite different. You don't join a church the way you join a gym. Come on. Come on. You submit to a church because Jesus' own authority is present in the congregation 
and mediated through the elders, and it's designed to shepherd you. Amen. There's the book. Uh, It's not often that a young Christian is taught about the importance of being in a healthy church, but we actually have added this to our requirements for the membership class, which was really funny because the people that came into membership the other night, some of them had to read that, and some of them hadn't. They were on two sides of the divide for this. Corey and Joy didn't have to read this. But uh, but jo- but John and Elise did. It just shows it took Corey a while to get me his testimony. <laughs> All right. Um, another book in this same series this is the Nightmare series, Evangelism by Max Stiles. Every time we get around to this in uh, on mission, I get so excited because I get to read it again. <laughs> I'm such a nerd. Um, <laughs> It gives extraordinarily practical but very theologically based counsel on how to better explain to people the simple good news of the gospel. Um, yeah, I love that book. Uh, what if you want to go somewhere in a little... Where am I? What if you want to read a biography? Actually, this is an autobiography. John Patton, Missionary to the New Hebrides. Right? This is an autobiography. New Hebrides, now it's called Vanuatu. That's It's... Not, it's uh, uh, it's a name now, South Pacific. Uh, an amazing story of Christian courage and conviction and love for the lost to bring them to Christ. And also an amazing, amazing sub-theme on the importance of dad's lives. Uh, his father was super influential in directing the course of his life. Not, not directing the course, but his influence was so gripping on John uh, that set him on the course that he was on. And so dad's great book to see what a vision for biblical fathering is. Uh, John Patton, Missionary to the New... This is all in your handout, by the way. Uh, a pastor's sketches. Ichabod Spencer. Uh, pa- Spencer was a pastor during the Second Great Awakening, and he had lots and lots and lots of evangelistic conversations with people in his congregation and in his itinerant ministry. And he wrote them down. like He wrote like he transcribed them. So if you want to hear a gifted evangelist and like listen in on his conversations with non-Christians, like that's what this whole thing is. Really readable, a little bit language a little old, but it's like it's actually conversations with real people, so super accessible. Um, wonderful, wonderful book. Pastor sketches conversations with anxious souls concerning the way of salvation. You want to grow as an evangelist? This And it's also bite-sized, because it's conversation by conversation. So the last step, chapter 20, one, two, three, four pages. So you could sit down with your buddy and say, hey, listen, let's, let's read that one and 21, uh, oh, the persecuted wife. Uh, <laughs> I remember, I think I remember that one. Seven pages or so, right? And then you can say, hey, how did he share the gospel? What, what things was he, what, what things was he trying to stress with, stress on, or things like that? So, um, uh, What's two or three you might add? That's my, that's this, this is my list. What would you, where would you go for like top ones? Or not just BJ, anyone else have one that they've loved, right? Women are, flourish are doing side by side, right? Same principle. Yeah. Corey. Yes, excellent. Cross Centered Life by C.J. Mahaney. Excellent, excellent book. Read it with tissues. Martin, anything from your studies that you would recommend doing with somebody? You're a, no. 
No, I'm not, I know, it's off the top of your head. Chris, what about you? Oh, interesting. C.J. Mahaney recommends reading a book specifically on the cross every year, just to keep our hearts warm. Okay, Beej? Uh, Pilgrim's Progress. Great. The Cross of Christ by John Stott. Hmm. The Cross of Christ by John Stott. Um, others? More Than a Carpenter. More Than a Carpenter by Josh. Is that Josh McDowell? Yeah. Josh McDowell? I don't know that one, um, but Allison says it's great. The Gospel Primer by Milton Vincent. Vincent, Can, you know, do, do it, do it with your kids. Like I'm thinking, I'm thinking of getting, of doing this with my kids soon. Like just working through it with my kids. Obviously, there's all sorts of stuff you can do with your kids, um, but don't don't assume they, they ah they just won't get it or they won't be interested. Well, are you, if you're interested in it, they tend to be interested in what you're interested in. Yeah, Eric. Uh, just thinking about the theme. Oh yeah, thoughts for young men by J.C. Morale. Uh, for someone who's struggling with whether or not God, uh, for someone who's kind of seeking God, not sure that they've found Him yet, or know that they haven't found Him yet, I would recommend um, Spurgeon's All of Grace. That was a book that helped me come to Christ. Um, so has a kind of special place in my heart. But can you, I mean, mostly I just want you to think about a conception where could I ever, would I ever sit down with somebody, let's take one of the smaller ones, and actually say, hey, would you mind working through this with me chapter by chapter? That's what I want want you to get. Okay, how to start getting started reading with a book with something. Be brave. Be brave and look for opportunities. We have made the contention over and over in this class that discipling and being involved in discipleship relationships is a requirement for an expectation for every believer. Whether you're being discipled, whether you're discipling someone else, whether you're doing both, whether it's a mutual walking alongside, in which case you need to pray and proactively look for opportunities if you're not already involved in these kind of relationships. Start by looking through the directory. There's your new directories there. Uh, thinking through your home group, asking the Lord to provide somebody that you could meet up with. Then you look around at your own life and pray about the people you interact with at, at church or home group. And the next step is just to take initiative. And then you have to like do the scary thing and pick up the phone. right? Because that's scary, isn't it? I mean, it is. It's a little intimidating. Be brave and take initiative. Be willing to make the suggestion. It is, let's, you know, let's just state the obvious. Approaching anyone about any sort of deliberate relationship can be intimidating. No one likes being turned down or rejected. And if you say, hey, what if you, would you read this book with me? And they're like, yeah, no. No, that's, you know, you put yourself out there and it didn't work, you know? So, yeah, sure, it takes a little bit of courage. Inviting someone to read a book or regularly meet for any purpose and have them reject you is disappointing, maybe embarrassing, maybe a little painful, but it is worth it. It's worth it for them, it's worth it for you. It's worth it in terms of the good it can do for them, worth it in terms of the good it can do for you. So be brave, be willing to risk this, raise this possibility with your friends. And any discouragement you might feel if it doesn't work out is small compared to the potential joy of being used by God for spiritual growth that will bless your friend and them having spiritual input into your life that will bless you for eternity.
right? Dividends really high. Dividends really high. Uh, you know, don't be afraid to, to, to come and, and, and suggest the book, right? If you actually, if I actually feel like if, if Damien looks at me and says, I think Brad could really use a book on such and such, he's free to say, hey, would you, well, I feel like this might be helpful for you and what you shared at Men's Prayer or something like that. You know, that those are the, you can suggest. I've been thinking of reading Knowing God. And again, would you like to be, to, to, to read it together? Um, often young believers may not want to read the kinds of books that may do them the most good. Um, you certainly aren't always sure what's best, but if you're more spiritually mature, you might be in a better position than they are to make a good guess. And I think the last thing is, remember your own encouragement and want that for other people, right? If something's blessed you, the gospel primer, right? Want, want that good and that blessing in others' lives. One of the best ways to encourage yourself to read through a book with something with, some, with someone is to think about the good that you've experienced through good biblical teaching. Um, don't be like a man who hoards good things and doesn't share them with others. Consider sharing with others the encouragement you've received from the books that you've read or the books you want to read and the conversations that can be had. So just a, just a thought. What are other things we do as we're seeking to grow in our, in our being involved in one another's lives, living for the glory of God, which means being what? Living for the glory of God, which translates into living for the spiritual good of others, right? One help, good books. Questions? Natasha. Uh, it's more of a comment. Oh, please. Uh, That's great. That's great. You know, I mean, sure, might it be more efficient to do it where you've both read ahead of time? You know, but it just may not be reality, right? If something's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. Yeah, and that's not doing it poorly. It's just saying, like, who, not, that's not doing it poorly. It's just, it's better to, what can be done? What can be done? You are busy. What can be done if you get together and all and, 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 and you haven't read it ahead of time and you read it there and then? That, that's great. That's great. Low bar. Low bar. Sonia. On the flip side of that, any of you have lots and lots of extra time? No, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Yeah. That's awesome. A study, you working through a study guide with someone. What did that spurred me in another direction? And what did that do? I've lost it. That's great. All right. Let's open the doors and let all the people in. Thank you very much for coming. Next week, evangelism and missions in discipling relationships.